Welcome to Try, Try Again with Katherine Velez. Today we will look at eight ways to successfully regulate your emotions or, in other words, calm yourself down. My great aunt Edna always looked angry, at least through my childhood eyes. Her face was often scrunched like a closed fist in search of a target. She sat on the edge of her seat as if waiting to pounce on any remark or action that didn't suit her. Everyone in the family knew to be careful around her, walking on eggshells, trying not to provoke her, but, of course, there was no rhyme or reason around what would set her off. She always had a mad on, as my family used to say. She would rock in her rocking chair at a rapid clip, yelling at the TV news. She'd shake her fist and chide the neighborhood children outside playing and laughing. She spent much of her life blaming others for causing her to feel upset. If only they wouldn't say what they said. If only they would have done this rather than that. And it wasn't until I became an adult that I realized dear old Aunt Edna had never mastered how to calm herself, and therefore her relationships were fraught with pain and confusion. She knew people feared her, but she didn't experience the richness of loving relationships. She allowed everyone and everything around her to have an effect on her, and she simply reacted. Her external world held great power and sway over her internal world. And like Dorothy with her red ruby slippers in The Wizard of Oz, Aunt Edna never understood that she held the power all along. It is one of the first things I often address in therapy and something you can start working on right now. We all become embarrassed or angry or frustrated or hurt. We all have strong feelings that often have profound effects on our body and our spirit and how we look at ourselves and others. It is human, but... Like our children and our pets, we are responsible for controlling our emotional responses so they don't lead to damaging ourselves and others. Learning to soothe ourselves is another part of that large responsibility of self-care. You might ask why we need to calm ourselves. Don't be Aunt Edna. Work toward rich, loving, respectful relationships. This is as important a skill as any you learn, and I'm a big proponent of teaching it in the school system. I've seen too many children in classrooms who couldn't regulate their emotions, much less learn to read, and created problems not only for themselves, but for the other students and the poor teacher who had to try and figure it out on his or her own. And because I believe knowing a little history is so important, this idea of self-regulation is nothing new. Plato and Socrates, Greek philosophers and teachers from 400 BC, taught an individual is only free to the extent they exercise self-control. They saw self-control as the foundation for indifference to external circumstances that then allow the soul and intellect to focus 
rather than being at the mercy of our feelings. Regulation is often the starting point of therapy, and I think it's important for us to have just a little information about how and why regulation techniques work. When we are upset or angry or experiencing trauma, our body and brain prepare for a perceived threat. We get ready to fight or flee and sometimes freeze. The chemicals, adrenaline and cortisol, flood our brain and our thinking becomes more about survival than it does about reason or persuasion. We can't really listen to what others are trying to communicate. Our heart starts beating faster, the blood rushes to our core and away from our hands and feet. We might become flushed, our breathing becomes rapid and more shallow. We may become sweaty and our mouth may become dry. We experience these physical symptoms because of the chemical changes in our brain. Our survival instincts are important and they serve an important feature. However, they do us no good in many instances in our daily lives and relationships. If we are unable to calm ourselves when we become angry or scared, we might resort to behaviors or words that don't serve us or our relationships. That is when we often resort to yelling or screaming or saying things that are very hurtful and doing further damage, damage we really didn't mean to do, or perhaps simply shutting down. It can give us the feeling of being out of control, and that is a frightening feeling, not only for us, but for the people around us. When you express yourself in out-of-control anger, you will usually be met with anger because it feels like an attack. When you express yourself with control and reason and calm, you're more likely to get your needs met. One of my favorite quotes from the poet Rumi is, soften your words. It is the rain that brings the flowers, not the thunder. This is true in relationships as well. You might ask how we first learn to soothe ourselves. Well, we learn as babies. The baby cries because he's hungry and the mother responds with milk. The baby cries because his diaper is wet and the mother responds by putting him in a dry diaper. The care is consistent and over time, the baby learns that his needs matter. The world is safe and loving and when he is upset and crying, mother will respond and hold him and whisper in his ear and attempt to regulate him. Caregivers are not simply feeding or changing a diaper. Caregivers are teaching babies how to regulate by co-regulating. Very simply, children learn how to calm themselves by being calmed by others, specifically parents and primary caregivers. A parent who responds with anger or anxiety every time a baby expresses her needs through crying teaches a baby her needs are not important and she will struggle learning how to regulate. When the baby is upset and screaming and her heart is beating quickly and tears are running down her cheeks and a calm caregiver picks her up and speaks to her soothingly and rocks her or walks her, that caregiver is showing the baby regulation. And the baby, given enough time, will begin to regulate with a consistent caregiver. These are the first lessons in learning self-regulation. If a baby is not provided this as he or she becomes a child and then an adult, they may learn maladaptive ways to soothe themselves or to be in a relationship. And when we are able to soothe ourselves, it gives us great control over our thoughts and our feelings. 
It provides us more space between a stimulus that triggers us, such as someone screaming at us in traffic or our boss being condescending at work or a friend who has hurt our feelings. It gives us a chance to think even for just a few seconds and respond rather than react. It allows us to go into our head for a bit. Feelings change and they can be fleeting, but the damage we do when we don't calm ourselves and when we react in anger and without thinking can last a lifetime or even several lifetimes. You will often hear me encourage you to check with your doctor doctor, and implementing self-regulation skills is no exception. If the physiological mechanisms of self-regulation are not working right, you're going to have trouble managing your emotions and impulses. Things like vitamin deficiencies, thyroid problems, hormone imbalances, or any number of medical issues could impede your use of successfully using coping skills to self-regulate. We don't want to set you up for failure in learning to regulate yourself. If you would like more information on this, go to Uncommon John. That's U-N-C-O-M-M-O-N-J-O-H-N dot wordpress.com. John Hoffman is a popular Canadian parenting columnist and someone I enjoy reading. And he speaks about self-regulation in depth in his blog. These are some of the techniques I suggest for clients to self-regulate. Number one, do not take anything personally. If you learn nothing else, this is of profound importance. It is one of the four agreements, a book by Don Miguel Ruiz that I recommend you read or listen to when you can. Nothing that is said to you or done to you has anything to do with you. It is about the other person and what they are feeling and their own experiences. When they yell at you, it is not because you deserve to be mistreated. It is because something within them, including most likely an inability to soothe themselves or lack of their own self-control or even fear, is causing them to yell. They are choosing to do so. Number two, move your body. If at all possible, when you are elevated emotionally and feel like you might lose control, go for a walk, go for a run, do some yoga, find a way to move your body. This increases the feel-good chemicals in the brain, serotonin, dopamine, endorphins, oxytocin, as well as increasing oxygen to your brain and body, and thus is a wonderful way to get out of the sympathetic nervous system, the fight-or-flight response, and into the parasympathetic nervous system, otherwise known as rest and digest. Number three, use a deep breath or diaphragmatic breathing. Now, I want you to try this exercise as long as you're not driving. Place your left hand on your chest and your right hand on your belly. Close your eyes and draw in a deep breath through your nose, filling your lungs and feeling your belly expand. Slowly, Exhale through your mouth and do this as many times as needed and really feel that hand on your heart and your stomach. Feel the warmth. It is almost like giving yourself a hug. This is very much like the co-regulation we hopefully received as babies and yet we are regulating ourselves. If you're not comfortable with that, you can do something as simple as just taking a deep breath and letting it out with a loud sound, simply 
bringing awareness to your life-giving breath. But use your breath. Number four, use positive self-talk. And in my work with clients, this is one of our big focuses. Replace the negative thoughts that are filling your mind with positive thoughts that you can believe. Talk to yourself the way a friend would talk to you, including step number one, which is not to take anything personally. An example of this would be you're on the freeway and someone cuts you off. You can choose to think there is some jerk behind the wheel who did this to you on purpose, and you're not letting them get away with it. You can choose to think that it's up to you to teach them a lesson. If you do this, chances are you will move into fight or flight, your heart will beat faster, and you will allow yourself to feel angry. This thought and feeling may cause you to maneuver around the person, flip them off, or try to cut in front of them. Actions that are certainly dangerous and potentially life-ending. The alternative is you could choose to believe and tell yourself the person behind the wheel is someone elderly or a new driver, or maybe it's a man rushing to the hospital to say goodbye to his dying mother or welcome a new baby. You can give them grace and maybe reflect on the days when you were first learning to drive or when your spouse was headed into surgery and you drove a little crazy yourself to get there in time. You tell yourself not to take this personally because that driver cutting you off had nothing to do with you and everything to do with what's going on in their world. When you do this, your feelings are not elevated and your body does not respond in fight or flight. Your actions then become calmer and more thought out. Number five, use grounding techniques, which usually are the things that engage the five senses. Very often people feel grounded and are able to self-regulate after they've listened to particular music or read or journaled or used a particular smell such as eucalyptus or lavender or lit a candle. Watch or listen to something funny and use things like laughter, which can provide more oxygen to the body and brain as well as soften perspective. You can listen to videos like uh, the YouTube music video, Cookie Monster Practices Self-Regulation. Now, even though it's made for children, I find it's a great short music video about self-regulation that made me smile and hopefully will do the same for you. Number six, pray and meditate. Talk to God. Meditation and prayer are some of the most powerful regulation skills. And sometimes it's hard to practice our own self-compassion, but in prayer or talking with ancestors that have gone before us, Often we can access that kindness and compassion for ourselves through them. If my beloved grandmother was sitting here, what would she say to me? If my father were here, what would his advice be? These can be calming, meditative conversations. Number seven, step away and give yourself space between the stimulus and your response. Perhaps even remembering the last time you responded and it went badly and the regret you carried with you not wanting it to happen again. Think about the role modeling you're doing for your children or anyone that might bear witness to what is happening and your response. Number eight, call a trusted friend or loved one or talk to your therapist. Talking with someone who has your best interest at heart and who will listen and give you the space to emotionally explore without judgment or advice or trying to fix things is one of the best ways to regulate. 
Viktor Frankl, who was an Austrian uh, psychiatrist and neurologist, as well as a uh, Holocaust survivor, wrote Man's Search for Meaning. It's another book I recommend to you. And one of his quotes is, when we are no longer able to change a situation, we are challenged to change ourselves. If you have struggled with anger or difficulty controlling your emotions to the point that they're affecting your relationships or the way you feel about yourself, I encourage you to try some of the techniques listed above and journal or record the ones that work for you. Practice these skills every day so when you need them, they come as second nature to you. Please let me know what worked for you, what didn't, and if you found something new, please share that as well at katherinekempelez.com. Have a wonderful week and take care of yourself.